Hello, and welcome to Troy Does the Games Pyeongchang, your daily-ish update about the 2018 Olympics going on in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, today, I recap all the events from February 19th and 20th, and look ahead to the action on February 21st. I had a good day off, enjoyed my birthday. My brother and sister-in-law were in town. We got to play a little bit of golf. It was cold, uh, but then I got some deep dish pizza, so I was happy. And then we watched the ice dance competition and the men's hockey game. So uh, I can't think of two more different events to enjoy. And yet I did. I've got uh, two days worth of results to, to update on. So I'm really just going to focus in on the most important things and breeze through the rest. Uh, and then and then we'll look ahead to what's to come. we got some things coming down to the wire, especially in the uh, hockey and curling tournaments. Well, on the 19th, uh, we got the conclusion of the two-man bobsleigh competition, and uh, we got a bonus medal. We got a double gold medal. The The German team piloted by Francesco Friedrich and the Canadian team piloted by Justin Cripps came in with the exact same time over the course of four runs for a surprise shared gold medal with the bronze going to the Latvian two-man team. On the women's end, we got the first two heats of the women's competition in bobsleigh. And uh, after that, we've got a German team in the lead, followed very shortly behind by the American squad, seven hundredths of a second behind, followed by another German squad, and then another American squad. So it should be it should, it should be an interesting second day of women's bobsled. Is uh, Jamaica from Germany going to win? Myers Taylor from America? Maybe it'll go to Schneider from Germany or maybe it'll go to Grubel Poser from America. Who knows? Or it could go to someone entirely different. That, that's how these things work. But the Germans and the Americans right now in the lead for the women's bobsleigh medals. Oh man, I want to talk about curling, but I'm, I'm going to wait for a second. I'm going to move on to, the, to something else. Let's let's talk about ice dance. We got the short program and the the free skate for the ice or free dance for the ice uh, ice skating competition and uh, gold medal to Virtue and Moyer and uh, you know they weren't they weren't the odds-on favorite coming in. It was really kind of purported to be a duel between them and the French couple Papadakis and Cicerone, and it, it turned out to be that way. I mean, ultimately the competition was decided by less than a point. And you could see the disappointment on the face of Gabriella Papadakis. Uh, she was not happy with the silver medal. I think she should be. I think anytime you get a medal, you know, you're, you're a champion in some way. And uh, that should be celebrated. But obviously, they had different goals coming in. Tessa and Scott got the gold medal for Canada. They got the second highest free skate, uh, free dance score, but they had the higher score in the short dance and combined together ended up uh, getting 206 points, just, just, uh, just under one point over the French pair. Now, part of the story from the short dance that I didn't get to talk about was the wardrobe malfunction from Papadakis. And uh, they skated through it like pros. I, I can't, I don't know, did it affect the score? Well, there are some people who said it might have negatively affected the score because of concentration and errors in performance. There are other people who say it positively affected the score because uh, the judges might have given them a bit of a bump up for kind of playing through. I guess we'll never know. Uh, we'll never know unless you interview those judges. But they did come out of the short dance behind by a point and a half, more than a point and a half. And so they had a bit to make up. And while they had a better free dance, they just they just could not take 
the gold. I am a big fan of Virtue and Moyer, so I'm delighted that they got the, the, another gold medal. So what's that bring their count to? They got, they got a gold in uh, Vancouver. They got a silver in Sochi. They got a gold in Pyeongchang. So probably the most decorated ice dance team. And then you add on top of that, the silver they got in the team event in Sochi and now the gold they got in the team event here in Pyeongchang. That's uh, three gold medals and two silver medals. Not too shabby for a career. I think they're going to retire now. I, I hope <laughs> now that it's all said and done, they can come out and say they've been married this whole time or that they, they've been dating because you just can't believe any anything else. But... Man, okay, Virtue and Moyer take the gold medal. And then the other intense battle was for the bronze medal. And like I said, it was really down to the American groups. And in this instance, it was a head-to-head battle between Madison Hubble and Zach, uh, Zachary Donahue against the Shibutanis. Uh, after the short dance, Hubble and Donahue were up by two hundredths of a point. I mean, just a razor-thin margin. And it really meant just whoever had the better free dance was going to win. And it went to the Shibutanis. The Shibsibs win another bronze medal, their first individual bronze medal. Is it an individual if you're a couple? I don't know how that works. But yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, not the team bronze medal. And uh, they did win the free dance pretty convincingly, five points. If it had been closer, I think you could have looked at the mistake that Zachary Donahue made where he, they, they got a deduction for falling. And it's because I believe when he was down, he was doing a choreographic sequence where he's down on one knee on the ice and he kind of falls forward onto his second knee and puts his hands down. I think he just kind of got out of balance or, or, or overdid it that was a one point deduction it may have also had a, a deduction in the performance scores and so maybe that was the only thing that was the difference I think a five point difference though not being an expert here but I think a five point difference indicates to me it was more than just that so the poor boy should not beat up on himself for losing out on the bronze medal so there you go. That wraps up the ice dance competition. And uh, now all we have left is the ladies. And I'll talk about that when we look ahead to everything starting uh, today. In uh, freestyle skiing, we got the ladies ski half pipe. The gold went to Cassie Sharp from Canada. The silver to Marie Martineau. And the bronze to the American, Britta Sigourney. The, I think uh, they we had an American in third and fourth place. We, we really never, no one challenged for the gold medal there. Sharp put down a great first run, and uh, no one could really match her. Uh, the headline coming out of that event was the, the Cal Berkeley alum uh, who qualified, I believe, on behalf of, oh, I want to say Hungary who basically just went down the half pipe and did like little one foot, two foot jumps. But because she'd kind of hacked the system to figure out how to qualify for the Olympics, she was able to compete. And so she did. And it, it is a, a divisive topic, to say the least, about whether you think she should be there or she shouldn't be there. Some people say she did everything she needed to to earn there. And so she has every right to be there. Other people say, you're not even competitive. You can't even do a jump. You didn't even try a twist. You shouldn't be there. Uh, I'm kind of with the latter people. I'm like, yeah, if you're making an earnest effort to to do it, even if you're not top in the world, let's say, you know, you are the, the best 
Mexican cross-country skier. We saw that in the earlier competition. He's not good. He came in last, right? But he was making an earnest effort to to do as well as he possibly could. In this instance, I don't think you could argue that this person was making an earnest effort to do as well as she could. I think she was just basically taking a victory lap for hacking the Olympics. So that's my opinion. If you agree with me or disagree with me, let me know. But that, that's kind of my take on that. But yeah, Cassie Sharp threw down a, a 94 plus in her first run and uh, no one no one could beat her. We got some qualification for the men's ski halfpipe as well on the 20th with the Americans qualifying one, two, three. Uh, we'll see the finals for that coming up. And uh, you, you just never know if who's going to land a run. I actually kind of skipped over ice hockey in my last episode um, in terms of the preview of what's to come. So let me make sure I talk about it now. On the 19th, we saw the women's semifinals, United States against Finland and Canada against OAR. And they both finished the exact same. They both pretty much looked the exact same. Both move on by by a score of 5-0. to zero. As predicted, they're moving on to the gold medal match. Finland and Olympic athletes from Russia will play for the bronze medal. Yeah, and I, you know, Canada won the uh, the earlier game. I think the U.S. could win um, between the two of them. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> the one to watch. Uh, this is definitely one to watch. I can't handicap it very effectively. Canada has seemed to have the Americans' number in the Olympics, but I think the Americans are just going to come out hungry and ready to go. So, and, and I'm a total homer, so go USA. Speaking of go USA, last night uh, we had the USA playing against Slovakia in the playoff quarterfinals for the men's tournament. And uh, the U.S. won their win-or-go-home game against Slovakia 5-1. to one. It really got kicked off with a couple of Slovakian penalties. We were had a two-man advantage at one point which is basically just saying, here, have a goal, uh, which we got. And uh, and then we we continued it with more goals, ended up 5-1. to one. Also in the the playoff, we had the uh, Norwegians beat out Slovenia 2-1. to one. Finland beat out Republic of Korea 5-2. to two. And uh, Germany beat out Switzerland 2-1. to one. So the U.S. moves on to the actual quarterfinals, where I think they play the Czech Republic, and I'll uh, talk about that a little later on. In the women's classifications for fifth and sixth, Switzerland takes fifth place, beating out Japan one to zero, and then Sweden uh, <laughs> beats Korea six to one. They they save themselves from being the worst team in the tournament. They they get seventh place in the women's tournament. I avoided talking about curling for a little bit, but I can't anymore. It's time to go. It's time to take it. Yeah, let's take it to the house. Oh, so much curling action to catch up on. Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, well let's just let's just focus on Team North America here. Uh, USA and Canadians. Uh, they're the ones that I'm really following and tracking. I want all four teams to make it to the playoffs in both the in the men's and women's side. Um, the U.S. in the morning on the 19th beat Denmark. Uh, Canada beats Japan, uh, and. Then in the afternoon, uh, the U.S. came and beat Canada. The U.S. men beat Canada for the first time in Olympic history, I think, 9-7. to seven. Boy, was that a, a, a nail-biting match. I, oh, I was so, so nervous for John Schuster at the end there. He had to uh, throw basically a draw in order to win, and, and he did it and did 
he the, the post match interview he was crying he was so emotional and, and you could feel it um the u.s men knew their back was against the wall and they were basically going to have to win three or four straight games in order to make the playoffs so far so good so far, so good. Uh, but it started off with this great win against Canada. Uh, and then in the evening, the U.S. women again played, uh, and they played against China. They won that 10-4 to convincingly. Um, so we got out of the 19th, and U.S. and Canada still alive, still doing fine. But the top and the middle of this this table just gets all topsy-turvy. And I'm not, not even going to do a midday report here. Oh, we'll, we'll check in on that in a second. Um, but on the 20th, uh, we had the Canadian men bounce back. They beat Japan. In the afternoon, the American women lose a, a really disappointing game to Korea. Um, they lost 9-6, to six, and that was really driven by the fifth end where the U.S. gave up a four-point steal. So that meant that the U.S. had the hammer. They had the last rock. They were expected to score, and Korea had four stones closer when the U.S. threw that last rock, and they just could not break into the middle of the house and uh, and and get a point um, and keep Korea from scoring. So Korea scores four, and the U.S. did well to kind of keep it a match for as much of it as they could, but Korea ultimately wins 9-6. to six. Korea does qualify for the uh, playoffs with that win and they I think are the top team now in the curling tournament which is a bit of a surprise um, and it puts um, the Americans back against the wall it doesn't mean they're down and out completely but their back is definitely against the wall um, same with Canada Canada Canadian women uh, lose their fourth game seven to five they must win out at this point to have any chance and there's some potential that even if they win out it might not be enough so Canada and American women both backs against the walls the American men played again in the evening they beat Switzerland eight to four Switzerland is one of the best teams in this tournament or has been performing the best um, so that was a, a great result for the U.S. Again, they got to win out. So you just got all these sides that got to win out. And uh, so far, they're doing okay. Oh, I really want to really check in on... Okay, let, let's... I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to what's happening today in curling because we're already in the house. We've taken it to the house. Let's just talk about what to expect. This is the last day of round robin curling. This is deciding what four teams move on to the playoffs. And so far, only one team in the men's and one team in the women's has qualified. Everyone else is still in the hunt or in the running. Uh, so in the morning today, we've got Korea against Russia, Sweden against China, Switzerland against Denmark, and Canada against Great Britain in the women's tournament. The Canada against Great Britain one is the match that is, I think, most consequential. Canada absolutely must win in order to still be viable. And Great Britain, while they already have five wins, adding another loss could drop them down into a tiebreaker for those last few spots. So essentially, both of those teams are feeling like they must win in order to move on to the playoffs. In the afternoon, uh, also in the evening, let's jump ahead to the evening um, for, to continue talking about the women's tournament. Uh, Switzerland against Japan, Olympic athletes from Russia against Canada, and Korea against Denmark, and then finally United States against Sweden. So again, if Canada can beat Great Britain in the morning, they're going to have to come back in the evening and also beat Olympic athletes from Russia and uh, and then end up 5-4 and four and hope for a good tiebreaker. The United States just plays the one game in the evening against Sweden, who is the top team, uh, along with 
uh, along with Korea. Um, Sweden and Korea are really the best teams. So the U.S. kind of needs a bit of an upset in order to go to five and four. And uh, and then we got a whole bunch of teams kind of in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the table along with them. Um, so let's see here. Let's do some predictions in the women's tournament here. Um, Korea's already qualified. Uh, Sweden is currently five and two. If I assume that they're going to lose to the United States, because I'm a homer and I have to assume that they'll be five and three. If they win their other match, they'll be six and three. I think they'll probably get through. Um, six and three will will definitely lock them to move on. Then we've got Great Britain, Japan, China, America, and Canada, all who could potentially end end up uh, five and four. Uh, whew. And that could be four teams for two spots. I think in the Olympics, they don't do a tiebreaker uh, by like by numbers. They actually do play tiebreaker games, uh, in which case, who any, any, you know, anyone's guess. But the U.S. has a chance. They just got to get a big upset against Sweden. Okay, previewing on the men's side, um, there's not as much action left to go. You've only got the four games in the afternoon, but they are highly consequential games. Uh, the Canadian men play against Denmark. Sweden plays against Norway. Korea plays against Japan. And the U.S. men play against the British men. And the U.S. absolutely must win that. That would put them at 5-4. and four. It would also put Great Britain at 5-4. and four. Switzerland's already at 5-4. and four. And if the Canadians win, they'll be clear through. They'll be 6-3. and three. So you would have Sweden through, Canada through, and, uh, and then you got Japan, Switzerland, Great Britain, and the U.S. trying to figure out what's going on at 5-4. and four. That's assuming the U.S. beats Great Britain. Which I really hope they do, because they really need to. All right. <laughs> That's curly. I'm not going to predict what's going to happen, because God only knows. But all, all all of Team North America still has a chance. They still have a chance. It's just a little bit kind of weaving through the eye of a needle here. All right. That's curling. We're going to leave the house. We're going to get back to everything else. And uh, there's not that much more in terms of uh, results from the past two days to talk about. In speed skating, in the men's 500 meters, uh, Havard Lorentzen from Norway got the gold medal. The silver medal went to Korea's Cha Min Kyu, and the bronze medal went to China's Gao Ting Yu. In ski jumping in the men's team competition, Norway won the gold medal, uh, supported by the wonderful mustache of uh, one of their competitors. Uh, Germany got the silver medal, and Poland got the bronze medal. In biathlon, we had the mixed relay. Uh, so two legs run by women, two legs run by men from each team. And uh, France just ran away with it. They shot very cleanly. They had to run no penalty laps. They only used four extra bullets. Uh, and by the time you hand things over to Martin Farcade in, in the lead, basically, going into his final segment, there wasn't much of a chance they were going to lose. And, and then he shot clean, and there was nothing to worry about. Uh, I think the real story from the biathlon mixed relay was Norway. Uh, they started out in 10th or 11th place after the first leg, um, and I think they were still in that kind of region of the pack come the end of uh, Tyrell Eckhoff's second leg. Uh, so by the time they turned things over to Johannes Tigesbu and uh, Svensson, it, uh, they had a lot of work to do, and they did. 
they they recovered. Uh, they ended up in second place and got the silver medal, really driven by clean shooting by Boo and Svensson. Uh, they only had to run one penalty lap, uh, Norway, but they, they did use 11 extra bullets, uh, which is a lot. Uh, that's a lot. In, in the mixed relay for biathlon, any of the relays for biathlon, you get your clip of five bullets to shoot five targets, but you also get three additional bullets at each session that you then have to manually load in if you miss one of your shots and if you run out of your three extra bullets then you got to run a penalty lap um, but it takes time you do lose time it has an impact when you got to manually load those individual bullets so the you the um, Norwegian team had to manually load 11 extra bullets and they still ski fast enough to uh, come back and get the silver medal the bronze medal went to Italy um, who started off like a firecracker uh, their women were so fast and their men held on for the bronze medal um, they had to do no penalty laps they used seven extra bullets Germany, who I thought was a gold medal favorite in this, uh, just had a rough day. Uh, they uh, they had to do one penalty lap and uh, use seven extra bullets. They came in fourth place. I also want to mention in this, though, the Americans, God, were it not for one really, really difficult leg, and, and in particular one difficult shoot for Joanne Firesteel Reed, our second woman, uh, we would have been up in the top five or six. By the end of Susan Dunkley's run, we were in fourth or fifth place. Uh, she shot very quickly. She used two extra bullets, but but that was it. And then follow it up in uh, legs three and four, Tim Burke and Lowell Bailey both shot very well. They, I think Tim used three extra bullets. Lowell used only one extra bullet. But Joanne had a had a difficult, difficult leg. Uh, the first shooting session, she missed nothing. She went dead on five for five. And the second one, though, uh, she, <laughs> she used all three extra bullets and was still missing three targets. And then on top of her not being the fastest skier out there, um, she, she received the race in fifth place. And by the time she was done, they were in 18th. But that just happens. That just happens sometimes in biathlon and in ski racing. And that's the point of a relay is you got to have four really strong legs done by four different people. Nobody can have a bad day. That's the biathlon relay. It's awesome. We're going to get, I think, the men's relay and the women's relay coming up. But I do like the addition of the mixed relay. Second time they've had it. And then finally, in terms of results that you may have missed, uh, we had a bit more action in short track speed skating. We had the heats for the ladies 1,000 meters and the men's 500 meters. Uh, the highlights there in the ladies 1,000 meters, the big story was Elise Christie, who got injured in her previous race, and whether she would come back and uh, be able to recover from her injury and compete. She did cross the line in second, so she would have moved on, but she earned a yellow card or a penalty in her race and kind of not for obvious reasons if you ask me but so her olympics ends and the the olympics curse of team gb's elise christie continues in the men's side none of the americans moved on out of the heats oh it's just so disappointing I've probably got a rant in me about how the americans get over penalized for things that they didn't do but I, I'm just not going to get into it. Okay, and then the, the medal given out uh, was what I talked about before I signed off uh, on Sunday was the ladies' 3,000 meters relay, and uh, it was a hot mess. It was uh, There's just no other way to say it. That event is a hot mess, and that particular race was a hot mess. The bronze medal went to a team that wasn't even in the race, that wasn't even in the race. And it, I, I should be excited about it, but it just was so ridiculous how it went down. I should be excited about it because I talked about it on the podcast a couple of days ago saying, does this ever happen? Has this ever happened? Well, it happened. 
Um, but the way it happened just kind of felt unfulfilling, if you ask me. In in the A final, you had Korea does take the gold medal. I guess I, I kind of buried the top part of this, which is Korea does take the gold medal as expected, as predicted. And if you ask me, as earned. They they maybe should have incurred a penalty in in one of their changeovers. So there, there's a question about that. But um, but they were definitely the fastest skaters out on the ice. Uh, so Korea takes the gold medal. Italy takes the silver medal. Uh, and I think that was after crossing the finish line fourth. And it's because Canada and China were both given penalties. The, the Chinese women crossed in second, believing that they had earned the silver medal. Uh, the Canadians thought they might eke up into a bronze medal. Um, and both of them got penalties for, I think, quite non-obvious reasons. Now, I'm not saying that it was unfair. Uh, I think later on I saw the reason for the Canadian penalty was that a skater who was not participating in the race at the time, w as she was kind of circling around the inside, kind of veered out a little too much and actually impacted the race. So, you know, the rules are rules. I guess the thing for me is when the judges give a penalty in short track, they just say there is a penalty. There's no explanation for what occurred, for what they believe happened. And so as a viewer, you're left to maybe see the right reply, but they don't always catch it, right? And you don't kind of get a good fulfilling explanation as to why was this person responsible, but not that person. And I, I mean, I know there's only so much they can do, but like it does impede the ability to see it as an honest and fair race. And especially when it seems like the Canadians and the Americans are the ones getting the penalty more and more and more. Uh, I know, I know. Okay, well, let's uh, let's look ahead to what to see today, right? Move on. Let's just move on and enjoy what's to come in front of us. And we've got a lot of action in front of us. Um, some two intense ladies competitions. First, we have up on the mountain, the ladies downhill. The American Lindsey Vaughn, who is a previous champion in the downhill. And then Michaela Schifrin, who is a uh, giant slalom gold medalist from this Olympics and a slalom gold medalist from previous Olympics. And she's going to try her hand at the downhill last I checked. They're not necessarily the odds on favorites, though. Uh, there's a lot of other women in the field who are good. And this is a race where you only get one chance to go down the mountain and the fastest one wins. So anything could happen. Uh, but it's definitely good TV. The other big ladies competition is the start of the figure skating competition. Uh, we have the short program in the ladies individual competition. Really, the, the Americans are not expected to even vie for a medal. Uh, it would be an utter shock if they even eked in for a bronze. Uh, the big story here is who's going to win the gold? Which Russian woman is going to win the gold? Is it going to go to Medvedeva or Zagatova? Uh, really is a one-two battle. We saw Medvedeva's short program in the team event. We saw Zagatova's free skate in the team event, both of whom beat up on their competition mercilessly. Those should be great, great ones to watch uh, don't miss them at least watch the highlights for for the russians i know you tend to only want to watch the americans but definitely watch the russians in this one uh, what else we got going on today? Oh, we've got men's ski cross. So I hated up on, you know, the ski slope style and the ski half pipe. And I said the snowboarding is way cooler. In this instance, the ski cross, the kind of BMX style race going down the mountain with the curves and the jumps and you try and race people down. Um, the, the ski cross is just as entertaining as the snowboard cross. 
if not more entertaining. Um, so we've got the whole run of that today, the seeding, the, the quarterfinals, eighth finals, semifinals, finals, big finals, small, all, all, all the finals of uh, Ski Cross are going on today. We've also got the quarterfinals of the men's hockey tournament. U.S. is going to play against Czech Republic. Uh, it's going to air at 7 p.m. Pacific time today. 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, so a lot of Americans should be able to watch that, and it's going to be followed by uh, Olympic athletes from Russia against Norway, Canada against Finland in the middle of the night, so sorry, Canada, and uh, Sweden against Germany also in the middle of the night. Uh, those are your quarterfinal teams. If the U.S. wins, they would likely play against Olympic athletes from Russia, which could be a tough matchup. The other hockey game we've got is the bronze medal game between Finland and Olympic athletes from Russia in the women's tournament. Uh, I think we got the gold medal game coming up, uh, not today, but but later in the program. We have some qualification for the men's big air in snowboard. That's the go down. You get one jump and you do a whole bunch of flips. Uh, they kind of stolen this from the X Games. And well, what to see? I saw the women's competition and a qualification for it. And it, it was not as exciting or interesting as I thought it would be. The air was not as big as uh, as advertised. And then in speed skating, we've got the team pursuit. Uh, now, the U.S. are in the semifinals of it for the ladies' team pursuit, but they go up against the Netherlands, so we're pretty much going to lose in the semifinals. But, you know, we'll, we'll try and beat out uh, either Japan or Canada, likely Canada, for the bronze medal in the ladies' team pursuit. So we, we, might, we might come out with a medal. Uh, and then we have the men's pursuit, uh, of which, you know, Netherlands is also the, the favorite, and the U.S. isn't even in the, in the semifinals. This is the most ridiculous event. Um, it's not my least favorite event, but it is just kind of hilarious. Uh, this one, unlike short track speed skating, where you you know are tagging people and pushing them off, and the first person to cross the line from your team wins, having gone the you know required distance. Uh, the team pursuit is uh, comes from indoor cycling, where you have three people on your team are on the track at one time. Three people from the other team are also on the track on the other side of the track and uh, you're essentially racing in order to catch the other team. And this is really, it's a bit tactical, but it's, uh, it's really how well can you draft and how quickly can your three skaters work together to advance their pack further. But this is why it's ridiculous, right? All that makes sense, but this is why it's ridiculous. Your time is decided by the third person to cross the finish line. It's not an average of the three of you. It is your entire team must cross for the time to stop. So if you have the two fastest skaters in the world and the 10th fastest skater in the world, well, guess what? Your score, your time is going to be based on when that 10th fastest skater crosses the line. I'm sure it helps to have the fastest two skaters in a situation where you can, you know, draft and do tactics. I'm sure they could kind of take the lead on more laps or something. But I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up. It's like the idea of, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Anytime you have a three-person competition where you just decide it based on the slowest of the three people, not an average or anything, and it's just kind of ridiculous. I'll watch it, though. I'll watch it. It, it, it is, uh, I think it is good TV, but a little bit ridiculous uh, of a competition. Who, which, 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 which team has the fastest three skiers? Okay. I think that's everything. I'm just going to swipe back up through my page here. See if I'm, oh my gosh, I almost skipped cross country skiing. How could I do that? Oh man. 
I, I might have to re-edit this to move it to the front of the podcast because how many people are really listening this late anyway? Uh, if you are, I want to know who you are. But uh, for cross-country skiing, you are rewarded for having listened this far. Let me tell you, that is going to be one of the most exciting competitions. We have the ladies team sprint and the men's team sprint. And the way this works is each, uh, each team consists of only two people. From that country. So, you know, for the US women, it's uh, Keegan Randall and Jesse Diggins, and they trade off. They do one lap is one, one lap is the other, then one lap is one, and one lap is the other. So they end up doing a total of six laps, three each, and whoever crosses the finish line first wins. They do a uh, semifinal where you need to be one of the top two to move on, and then they take some lucky losers to, to fill in a final. Um, and then the finals, and uh, and it's done in the same day, and they do the men's and the women's in the same day. These are short distances. Uh, I think the lap is like a, mo- a kilometer and a half, maybe two kilometers. So these are relatively quick races, and they're really fun and exciting in their lead changes, and I love it. So watch cross-country skiing, the team sprint competition for both the ladies and the men Norway obviously really really top team especially in the men's uh you've got Clybo and who is oh Sunby uh Clybo and Sunby for Norway uh they've got to be the odds on favorite I think and in the ladies competition Merit Bjergen's going to go out for Norway uh she's always strong but I think I think I think the U.S. can get a medal here I really do think Jesse Diggins and Keegan Randall in a freestyle team sprint competition can get up there for a silver or a bronze medal maybe even a gold maybe even oh dare to dream dare to dream come on jesse diggins get yourself a medal yeah and you know what while you're at it u.s women's bobsled team get yourself a medal too come on we've got the last two heats of the women's bobsled competition coming on tonight oh man i so want the u.s to win a gold medal today in something they gotta be like There's like two or three things that we could maybe win a medal at. Come on, let's do it. All right, that's everything I've got for today. Thank you so much for listening to Troy Does the Games. If you like what you're hearing or if you don't completely hate it, uh, you could subscribe uh, in Apple Podcasts to the iTunes Store, also Google Play Music, their podcast section. I'm also on Stitcher, or you could just go to SoundCloud and, and, and find this whole playlist. Uh, I do appreciate hearing from anyone who listens, and especially if you have any questions about the Olympics, about the events, or the favorites, or my opinions, or who I like, or what I would change or you just want to share your opinions let me know you can reach me on twitter i'm at troy steinmetz that's at t-r-o-y-s-t-e-i-n-m-e-t-z or you can email me troy does the games at gmail.com i cannot look forward to the action any more than i already am we've only got a few days left in the olympics and i'll be sure to talk all about it thanks again and i'll talk to you tomorrow